Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Mark. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the P40 Ministries podcast. My name is Jen. I am the host, and I'm so thankful that you guys are here. We're going to be discussing the first um, part of Mark chapter 15 today, which is the second to last chapter in the book of Mark. And I'm very sorry, you guys. I originally thought that Mark 15 was the last chapter of Mark. <laughs> and I think I said that a handful of times, and I'm like, we only have one more chapter, but I was forgetting that Mark 16 also exists. So no, we have two more chapters to go through before we get to the book of Luke, but that's okay. I am quite, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing what Mark 15 and 16 have to say. This is all about Jesus's death and of course his resurrection as well. Now, the one thing that's interesting about Mark is he doesn't mention Jesus's resurrection too much. Like he kind of does, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later, though, once we get into Mark chapter 16. So for anybody who is just tuning in or is new to the podcast, um, you know, I would love to uh, thank you guys so much for continuing to share, letting people know that the P4 Ministries podcast exists and, you know, subscribing, giving reviews, rating, all that stuff helps the P40 Ministries podcast get found a little bit better. And one thing I don't mention too often, and I'm sorry for uh, kind of going off on a rabbit trail here before we begin, but <laughs> one thing I think I should mention to you guys is why it's called P4 Ministries, especially because I have not mentioned this in a while. And since I do have some new people tuning in, I'd love to describe why it's called P40 Ministries. So it's called P40 based off of Psalm 40. Psalm 40 Ministries is basically uh, what my what my company is, but it's called P40. And those verses, Psalm 40 verses 1 and 2, say that God lifted me up out of the mud and mire, set my feet on solid ground, and steadied me as I walked along. And those two verses are basically the entire premise of what P40 Ministries is, what, uh, what our goals are for people is to help people find God, is to help people get into that relationship with God. Because when people get into that relationship with God, God will bring them up and set their feet on solid ground and steady them as they walk along. I'm very, very passionate about purpose, about people's purpose in careers, in their families, and everything else. And I believe that our foundational purpose is God because God is the one that leads us. He's the one that makes our paths straight. He's the one that sets our feet on solid ground. So when we get closer to God, he will help us do those things. So that is why it is called P40 Ministries or Psalm 40 Ministries. And so I, I wanted to mention that because I did have some people ask me recently, why is it called P40? <laughs> 
<laughs> so yes, that is the story behind P40 Ministries and why the name is P40 based on Psalm 40. And so part of my passion obviously is helping people grow in their relationship with God because God will then start leading them, start guiding their steps to what their career purposes are, to what basically everything else in their lives. One of the best ways you can do that, obviously, is through reading the Bible to get closer to God. So that is why I bring you this podcast every single day is so that you can read it yourselves, understand it, uh, understand the relatability of the Bible in the modern day, which is another passion of mine. So yeah, that is why P40 Ministries exists. And I just wanted to throw that out there for you guys. But anyway, let's go ahead and discuss Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 20. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. as I always do, but please feel free to read out of the version you like to read out of. But anyway, let's go ahead and discuss Mark chapter 15, 1 through 20. Immediately in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and the scribes and the whole council held a consultation and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him up to Pilate. Pilate asked him, are you king of the Jews? And he answered, so you say. The chief priests accused him of many things. Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer? See how many things they're testifying against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast, he used to release to them one prisoner whom they asked of him. There was one called Barabbas, bound with his fellow insurgents, men who in the insurrection had committed murder. The multitude crying aloud began to ask him to do as he always did for them. Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that for the envy of the chief priests he had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the multitude that he should release Barabbas to them instead. And Pilate again asked them, What then shall I do to him whom you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out exceedingly, Crucify him! And Pilate, wishing to please the multitude, released Barabbas to them and handed over Jesus when they had flogged him to be crucified. The soldiers led him away within the court, which is the praetorium, and they called together the whole cohort. They clothed him with purple, and weaving a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they struck his head with a reed and spat on him, bowing their knees, did homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own garments on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. Wow, this is some heavy stuff already. So basically what happened in the last couple chapters was Judas, one of Jesus's 12 disciples and one of Jesus's closest friends, uh, basically handed Jesus over to be crucified and betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, which we've talked about before, was actually the um, the same amount as a person would purchase a slave for back in those days. So Jesus was just handed over, no care for his life whatsoever, by Judas. So then after that, Jesus went to an illegal trial with the Sanhedrin and with the Pharisees. The Pharisees obviously hated him because they were super jealous of him because uh, Jesus was stealing their thunder. And so the Pharisees did not like that. They couldn't stand Jesus. They didn't like that Jesus was telling them the right way to live. They believed that they were basically above Jesus, even above the law, even above God, maybe. I don't know. But they were so arrogant. 
They just hated and were so jealous of Jesus. So they had this like fake court the night before all of this happened. And uh, they, um, they basically decided that Jesus was guilty because they were so jealous of him. So now they have to have a legal court procession, which would be with a Roman official. And so Pilate was that Roman official. And this is actually true to history, is that Roman court sessions would actually happen early in the morning. So once Jesus was finished getting beaten by these Sanhedrin and priests and whoever else, he was taken to Pilate very early in the morning. It says immediately in the morning is verse one here of Mark 15. They took him over to Pilate in order to um, get him executed because the Jewish people were not allowed to execute people on their own. They were fully controlled by Rome with everything. So if Jewish people wanted somebody executed, they had to take it, take that person to a Roman official like Pilate and try to get them executed. And we do see some instances of Jewish people executing people themselves. Um, For example, we see a handful of times in Acts, they tried to kill Paul and they try, they did kill, um, oh, who was it? Stephen was the first Christian martyr that we know of in the Bible. And uh, he was killed directly by the Jewish people. But the difference between Stephen and Jesus is that Stephen was not a famous man who uh, had a lot of authority around him. He was just an ordinary person. But Jesus, of course, had the multitudes on his side, basically. He had tons of people on his side. So the priests were so scared of offending people that they didn't want to execute Jesus themselves. And so they decided to take him to the Romans, obviously, so that the Romans can actually execute Jesus. And the Pharisees would kind of be in the clear with the multitudes. And they would try to like pin it all onto Rome. And you also have to remember while reading this story, how much the Jews and the Romans really hated each other. Rome tolerated Judaism. So one thing that Rome would do back in uh, the old days was that when they took over like a city or a country or whatever, they would try to like kind of get along with the people and they'd add in their religion and their gods into their own religion. But in exchange, the people would have to also um, first and foremost, like basically bow down to Rome and also worship Roman gods. But when Rome came into uh, Jewish territories, the Jewish people refused to basically do both things. (laughs) So the Romans tolerated Judaism, but actually hated Judaism. So they tolerated it and allowed the Jewish people not to, you know, worship Roman gods. They tolerated it, but they did not like it. And vice versa. The Jewish people did not want to be controlled by Rome, wanted nothing to do with Rome, wanted uh, their own thing, basically. So couldn't stand the Roman government, didn't want anything to do with it. And so Rome and um, Israel hated, absolutely hated each other. So now, going into the story a little bit more, it says that the Pharisees brought Jesus to Pilate and started 
basically saying all this crap about Jesus. And they're lying about him. They're saying all this stuff. They're saying he's a revolutionary. Because if they actually brought Jesus to Pilate and was like, you know, this Jesus fellow is claiming to be a god, Pilate would be like, who cares? I don't care. And then Jesus would go free. Because Romans really didn't care about that kind of stuff. They had so many gods. Uh, they, they just didn't care. So the priests knew that Pilate would not care if, uh, you know, if Jesus claimed to be a god. But what Pilate would care about is if Jesus was a mercenary or was claiming to be a king or was defying Rome or any of these other things. So that is what these priests decide to accuse Jesus of. And they say that Jesus is claiming to be king of the Jews. So Pilate's basically like, okay, Jesus, are you king of the Jews? And Jesus is like, so you say. And he basically just said, yes, with authority. And Pilate was just like, this is interesting. So then he, you know, he's probably piqued his interest a little bit. He's sitting there. And so the chief priests are accusing Jesus of all these different things. And so Pilate says to Jesus, he's like, why aren't you defending yourself? Don't you hear all this stuff that these chief priests are saying about you? And remember, Pilate probably hated these priests, okay? He probably disliked them and immediately th thought that something was fishy, okay? <laughs> so, um, so now he's asking Jesus directly, like, what do you have to say for yourself? And Jesus doesn't answer him. And this is definitely the first time this has ever happened to Pilate because he marvels. He was so astounded that Jesus does not defend himself. Because can you imagine if if people, if there's a person like just saying just all this garbage about you, like all this crap, like, oh, you did this and this and this and none of it was true. Can you imagine just sitting there quietly allowing them to like lie about you and your life was on the line? No, I mean, you would absolutely defend yourself. Any Any human being would, I would. Every person on earth would defend themselves because we all hate being lied about. Okay, we all hate that. And so um, so Jesus here is saying nothing. And Pilate is like freaked out by this. He's like, who is this guy that he's just saying absolutely nothing? And this is making Pilate realize how innocent Jesus is. You know, you think it would have the opposite effect but Pilate's probably seen so many cases by this point that, you know, people lie constantly uh, trying to get out of stuff that they did do. But this is the first time he ever saw somebody like Jesus who is just letting these guys lie about him completely. And so Pilate decides that Jesus is innocent, knows that Jesus is innocent. But during the feast of the Passover, he did this custom of allowing the people to have um, basically a criminal released to them. So he decides to use Jesus and this other guy named Barabbas. And so he says to the people, he's like, who do you want me to release to you? And don't forget, like this would be a multitude here waiting for Pilate to do this, because if this was a yearly tradition, this was something important. And this was probably very early in the morning as well. So people are gathering around to Pilate's house or wherever Pilate's at to wait for him to like release this prisoner to them. 
So Pilate is standing outside and he has Jesus on one side, Barabbas on the other. And so he says to the people, who do you want me to release to you? How about this king of the Jews here? And this is interesting because this is Pilate's way of trying to get Jesus released. And we know from history that Pilate was not a nice guy. He was not nice. And you can actually see by his demeanor in, you know, the Gospels that he was, <laughs> first and foremost, he didn't want to tolerate the chief priests. And he was also very arrogant. I, I get these two things from just what the Gospels have to say about Pilate is that uh, he was not a very nice guy, but yet he believed Jesus was innocent enough to try to get him released. So he says to the people, do you want your king of the Jews? So one thought is that he was mocking Jesus. The other thought is that if he uses the words um, king of the Jews, the people might think that Jesus was against the Romans and that might want to make the people, um, you know, release Jesus instead. I don't know. I don't know what the case is or not, but it does seem like he wants to get Jesus released, right? Because we do see that um, in other gospels that he was asking the crowd questions. He was really trying to get them to choose Jesus. He didn't want to um, crucify an innocent person. And because of his dislike of the priests, he probably didn't want to let the priests have their own way, <laughs> which might have been even more than trying to get Jesus released. He possibly just did not want the priests to get what they wanted. And so, yeah, I mean, there's there's many different facets of of this story. Another thing I kind of thought here was this crowd that's outside of Pilate's house possibly, you know, didn't want to listen to what Pilate wanted. Because we do see that Pilate kind of argues here with the crowd. He's like, why? Why do you guys want to crucify him? What evil has this guy done? It's definitely human nature to go against authority. It's human nature to go against the government. I mean, even here in America, I see that so much. I see <laughs> people just wanting to do the opposite of whatever the government is doing. I mean, it, it's human nature, right? We don't want to listen to authority. That is why uh, people just went wrong with the law. They didn't want to listen to God's authority. We don't want to listen to government. Like for the most part, we don't really like authority because we kind of want to be in control of our own selves. So, I mean, the crowd here was first and foremost being egged on by the chief priests and the scribes here because it says that the chief priests were saying, crucify Jesus, crucify Jesus, and like egging the crowd on. If the crowd believed the chief priests, which they very likely did, and also saw that Pilate wanted to release Jesus instead of Barabbas, it's possible that the crowd was swayed by the um, chief priests to kind of make the decision to uh, release Barabbas to them instead of to Jesus. So there was a lot of different things here at play. I mean, there was political stuff here. There was uh, jealousy of the chief priests. There was human nature. I mean, there were so many things here at play. But of course, this was going to happen one way or the other. Like Jesus was going to get crucified. 
because that is what Jesus came down to earth to do. And he was not shocked by any of any of this stuff. That is why he didn't say anything to Pilate. That is why he just let the chief priest do, you know, say all this stuff about him. Because he knew that this was going to happen. He knew that this was the reason he came down. And that is why Jesus just allowed this stuff to happen. So finally, the chief priests get what they want because there's this like riot began happening. And from my understanding of history, Pilate had had riots on his hands before and probably wanted to avoid another one. So he gives into the crowd and he lets his men, uh, the Roman officials, crucify Jesus. But before that, he has Jesus flogged. So one thing I, um, I actually remember hearing about with the movie The Passion of the Christ is Jim Caviezel, when he was going through the flogging scene, actually got flogged with the whip twice. And apparently it was the most excruciating thing he had like felt up to that point. It was so horrible because the actor who was like flogging Jim Caviezel uh, missed the board. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's it's not funny, but he missed the board and ended up landing one on Jim Caviezel. He almost passed out from it. It was so painful. And then it happened again, which is kind of kind of the funny part, but ov- obviously very awful as well. But I mean, Jim Caviezel went through two floggings, okay, and could barely stand them. Imagine Jesus having to go through, I don't even know how many, 30, 40 different flogs, like, I don't know, hits with this thing. You know, this would be a, a leather strap with like bones and balls of, of uh, metal and all sorts of crazy stuff that would just like stick into Jesus's back. And then when the leather cord was like pulled back out, it would like rip off flesh pieces of flesh and then there would just be strips of back hanging off of Jesus and this was meant to put them into like a pre-shock kind of state it was not meant to kill them but it was meant to weaken them like crucifixion was such a horrific event everything about it was just awful and it was torturous and they tried to make it as painful as possible so this uh, flogging that Jesus initially goes through, he would be hanging on a cross. And as he's, his back is sliding up and down the back of that wooden cross, it, the wounds would reopen. Pieces of that wood would get up inside of Jesus's back. It would cause infection. It would cause shock. It would cause all sorts of awful things, just this flogging alone, and then being hung on the cross. So this was terrible. This was absolutely horrific torture that Jesus was going through. But this also just shows how physically strong Jesus was. Because uh, first and foremost, he was a 32-year-old man at this point. He was a carpenter. He traveled around on foot, healed people, helped people, like, he was very, very physically fit. Because after he goes through all of this, he still has enough energy 
to continue on. And he was even able to carry his cross, which would have been like 50 to 100 pounds, I think. I didn't look that up recently, though. But I mean, just to go through that event of being flogged, having blood loss, and still being able to carry a cross a little ways. I mean, this was, this just shows how strong physically Jesus was. But right after Jesus is done being flogged by these people, by these Roman guys, it says that they weave together this crown of thorns and put it on his head. And then they start like hitting him with this reed. So these reeds, I used to have them in my backyard. And I think I mentioned this in Matthew. But one time my husband and I was like, we're like sword fighting with them. <laughs> and they make this horrible whippy noise. Like while you're like whipping them around, they're like whips. Okay. They truly are like whips. And my husband whipped me in the hand with it. And my gosh, that was painful. So if they're using these reeds and like whipping Jesus's head with them, the crown of thorns would like stick more into Jesus's head. So like all of this was just horrific torture, just, you know, over the top. These Roman soldiers were just, you know, playing around with Jesus and it was just absolutely terrible. And they're like saluting him and just kneeling at him and just saying all sorts of stuff. Then they end up spitting on him, bowing and like paying him fake homage. So after they're like finished mocking him, they take him away to be crucified. But it also says that they took the purple garment off of him. So what they had done was stick this like purple garment on Jesus, which probably one of the officers had. And um, because officers like the higher ups would wear nicer stuff. So one of the officers probably took his purple robe, which would have been an expensive color to make back in these days took the purple robe off and put it on Jesus to show like, you know, kingliness or whatever, fake wise. And then, you know, if they're ripping this purple garment off Jesus, that would have reopened all of his wounds. And yeah, so just really awful stuff. And so, yeah, it says then at, on verse 20, they lead Jesus out to crucify him. So that's kind of the end of what we're going to talk about today. But friends, you know, join me on... Um, on Thursday and we'll discuss more of Mark chapter 15 and discuss Jesus's actual crucifixion. So friends, thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I hope that it meant something to you. And if it did, go ahead and share it on your social media platforms and let people know P40 Ministries exists. Friends, also go to my website, www.p40ministries.com if you have any questions whatsoever about anything that I do or if you want to get into contact with me, you can do so there. But guys, I have nothing else to say except happy listening and God bless.